this is Kathy Griffin. You're listening to PF Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Jake Johansson. It's sort of getting weirdly hipstery, yes. gentrified, which is not all bad. The great thing that it always had, that I think it still retains, is the life priorities. The whole point of life is to enjoy yourself and to love each other, to have a good time and treat each other right. Jake was on the podcast a couple of years ago and we talked about his favorite city and we talked about it some more this time too. But we talked about some other stuff as well, the state of comedy, uh, how his career is going and so forth. Really one of uh, the most influential comics really to come out of the uh, 80s and 90s. And uh, he's just doing the work now as we'll discuss with him uh, in a little bit, as I said, we're going to have the Song of the Week from Two Door Cinema Club. But first, as always, a dumb bit. Time for another installment of... What kind of nonsense is that? For years, the conservatives have been wringing their hands over the fact that our students are being indoctrinated at colleges and universities with liberal thoughts and ideas... And if, and if you're one of the people wringing your hands about this still, uh, I come with great news. It's all a bunch of baloney. And how do I know that? Well, I was watching Breakfast TV here in Cincinnati, our local Breakfast TV, and this is the morning uh, before uh, Donald Trump delivers his first speech to Congress. Everybody was uh, just uh, swooning over, like, oh, he's so presidential now. And this is uh, also before uh, Saturday's Twitter storm of March 4th, in which he accuses Obama with no evidence of tapping his phones. But... Uh, I got ahead of myself here. Uh, this is Tuesday morning before the big speech, and they're wondering what, what's, what's going to the big speech going to be about. So uh, our local uh, breakfast news program invites uh, a gentleman from Northern Kentucky University. And full disclosure, Northern Kentucky University is where uh, Fangirl goes to school. So uh, no ill will towards NKU. She's having a great education there. She's not taking political science or anything like that. No connection. She may in the future. If she does, I'm, well, I'm hoping she does and hoping she doesn't take it from Dr. Ryan Salzman, who is a political science professor at NKU. He was the big guest, and some of the stuff he said was just incredible. It just staggered me, uh, as, as Jeff Goldblum says in Jurassic Park. Uh, so here's a little sampling here. So first talks about, um, well, what, you know, some of the things that Donald Trump is planning on doing and how we really shouldn't be surprised by it. We always knew that he was going to be concentrating more funds in the war machine, less funds in things like the EPA, and now we're just seeing it happening. Here's the problem. While most of us knew it was going to happen, most of us don't like it because most of us didn't vote for him. Now, in fairness, uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, probably the most hawkish of all the Democrats, so she probably would have spent a lot of money on the military as well. I don't think she would have cut the EPA to do it, though. That's my first problem here. So Dan Wells, the morning anchor, a nice fella, uh, points out that, well, of course, you know, a lot of government agencies always say that they don't have enough money to do things. <laughs> and Dr. Saltzman incredibly says this. To be fair, we ask them to do things that are almost undoable. Hey, we want clean air. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, how do you go about doing sure. that? What's the process for that? It takes a lot of people to get that done. So it's not disingenuous that they need more funds. 
and yet we have done it, and it wasn't impossible. You look at Los Angeles in the 60s and 70s, you look at Los Angeles now, yeah, it's still, it's still hard to see the mountains, I guess, from the, uh, the basin, they tell me out there. But still, it's way better than it was with way more cars and way more people out there. So it wasn't just like the pollution fairy came down and waved a magic wand. We did it because we had regulations controlling air pollution and air emissions. So Dr. Saltzman continues and explains to us the conundrum that we're facing. And you got to listen to this. If you still want to live uh, in, in a place with clean air and clean water, know that we will now have an agency that's already struggling and will be doing it on a lot less money. Oh, but there is a silver lining, according to Dr. Saltzman. But at least it's a boon to our military abroad. If you have children serving abroad, uh, you're probably feeling heartened that they're going to have better sure. equipment as well. So it's a trade-off. No, if I have children serving abroad, I'm worried they're not coming back, Dr. Saltzman. What in the world are you thinking? This isn't a boon to anybody in the military, not the rank and file, not, not our brave military men and women. They're actually they're doing the fighting. This is a boon to military contractors. That's who it's a boon to. But if that weren't crazy enough, here's where Dr. Saltzman proves, once and for all, that your kids are not getting indoctrinated, at least at Northern Kentucky University. He's going to be talking about major tax reform. I know that that's something I'm most interested in because that's something I think most people thought that he would bring a unique perspective about. A unique perspective, yes, and how not possibly to pay them, how to certainly stonewall people from seeing them. Now, again, he's under no obligation to release his tax returns. It was only starting with President Nixon that presidents released their tax returns. But every president subsequently has done that except for Ford. Ford didn't actually release his returns. He released uh, his summary of his finances that were related, which was pretty easily traceable, obviously. So, um, so yes, uh, I, again, Fangirl hasn't taken Dr. Saltzman's class, uh, and, nor have I, obviously, but uh, I imagine if I would, at some point during his class, I would raise my hand and ask, What kind of nonsense is that? Jake Johansson is one of our great stand-up comedians, storytellers, and humorists. He's influenced a generation of comedians and is still very funny himself today. Here now is our interview with Jake Johansson. All right, so uh, I can't remember the last time we spoke. I remember what we spoke about, uh, but I think it's been it's probably been at least a year. Uh, but what have you been up to these days? Probably a good place to start. Oh, man, I wish I had a good, great... I'm just living the dream, you know? <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of on a constant to touring around. Uh, it wasn't really my dream to spend my career... or I, I didn't imagine it was my dream to spend my career going just from club to club doing my show. But that's kind of what I've done, and I'm enjoying it. So that's really my answer for the most part, you know. I'm trying to uh, put together another special, decide how to produce that, and what's the best way to to try and release it or put it out. You know, free is the new paid, and uh, yeah, yeah. it's all about... It's all about getting uh, getting fans and motivating them to come out and see a live show. So now you, now you kind of do... Uh, a special just to get people to come out and see you live. Yeah, that's what's always kind of that's what the way musicians are doing it now is um you know they realize their music is going to get stolen. I interviewed the guys from OMD a couple of years ago, and uh, they're they're in a good situation because you know they they sold a lot of records when people still made money doing that, 
And uh, Paul Humphreys was telling me, he goes, yeah, I read an article before I came here for this tour that, you know, 90% of music in Europe is stolen. So we know we're not going to make any money doing that. So we have to come here to America and, you know, tour all over the place and, you know, and make a couple of bucks that way. Yeah, wow. Well, uh, yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's just the way it is now. Yeah, you got to, the, the, the content kind of is like the, is the loss leader. It's your... It's that, you know, jug of milk in the front of Walmart that you're selling for a dollar to get people into the store. Yeah, well, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get too cynical about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, but I mean, like, it's, it's, the, it's the contract of the business, though. It's all, you know... Like I said, like musicians are finding it's all kind of more on the live shows now. Very few people are making money actually selling uh, their music unless they're really, really high up on the charts. So, Right, yeah. right. And or getting it licensed to, to be uh, you know in commercials and stuff like that. So, but for comedy, I guess that's more. You can't really license a joke to be in a commercial. <laughs> no, that's why I've got to get into music now. I know, right? <laughs> I think you can make. I think yeah, I've got Garage Bands. What's yeah. to stop me from releasing a, an album and giving it away for free? Exactly. So yeah. that I can get it licensed into a commercial. There you go. Uh, I'm ready. There you go. Talk about the dream. Uh, so, so have you been down to New Orleans lately? I know it's the big time of year now. Well. Right? Yeah, it's almost time. Well, it's Mardi Gras. It's getting ready to be Mardi Gras time, or it just was Mardi Gras time, or I can't, I can't keep track of everything. Um, but Jazz Fest is the end of April, beginning of May, so I've got my plane ticket. Oh, that's I've right. Got my reservation. That's right. That's what you get on for. Okay. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're having a... Uh, well, by the time this episode drops on the podcast, this will be old news, but um, on Tuesday, we're, we're doing our first... Well, kind of our second annual... New Orleans slash Mardi Gras dinner at my house, so um, we were How down. good for you. Yeah, I remember talking to you, but we had just been down there uh, when I spoke to you last time, and we all just fell in love with it, and all at a different level, strangely. My wife went back on business. They had a, some kind of conference down there, and she fell in love with it even further. So now we're all uh, we're all about the New Orleans, and uh, we really all want to go back. Yeah, it's the best. I feel like uh, it, the it, it's changed a lot since Hurricane Katrina, because it's 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 sort of getting weirdly hipstery yes. gentrified, which is not yeah. all bad. Right. But uh, the the great thing that it always had, that I think it still retains, is the life priorities uh, idea that, look, the, the whole point of life is to enjoy yourself and to love each other and yes. to have a good time and treat each other right. Yeah. And that's that's what I love about going down there. And, and that's, well, to be honest, I mean, that's what I like about the way my career has turned out because it's, it's all about live shows in front of human beings that then can come up and talk to you afterwards. So right. I, I feel like I'm, I've got myself lined up right in terms of that. But yeah, New Orleans is, if, if people are listening to this and they haven't been, I highly recommend it. I, I do get that it's maybe not, for everybody because it can be a little bit dirty it can be a little more casual than people think yeah. <laughs> a lot of people want to come up and have a conversation with you that uh, you, you know might might be different than the people you're used to having conversations with in terms of they're drunk or they're missing a few teeth or whatever right but uh, I just have had so many good times down there I've met so many nice people and eaten so many delicious meals oh yeah you know I'm up I'm up for it anytime. Well, the thing that struck me, and you kind of echoed this, we were you were just talking about is, and, and I think we had this discussion before. I, I'd heard Harry Shearer was on Marin's podcast a couple of years ago, and he's lived down there since like the mid '80s, 
And uh, he said the thing that struck him, this kind of struck me too, and I didn't realize it at the time was, from an artistic standpoint, people are there just doing the work. It's not a matter of becoming famous or rich or anything like that. I mean, if that happens, great, I'm sure. But people are there just doing the work, and it's a pulp, not just music, which people probably think of primarily with the bands going down the street, but, you know, there's, you know, uh, artists, you know, visual artists and writers and all kinds of stuff, you know, uh, all, you know, down there just, just getting it done. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and that's, yeah, that's one of the things you can learn as a performer from going to see shows down there. I mean, I've, I've seen acts that I love down there do shows for 3,000 people and the same act do a show for 30 people or even 12 people. They just book themselves into a venue and there's so much going on that not many people show up. And when they go on to take the stage, they... <laughs> If when you're looking at them, you can't tell that that there's just one of you or there's a three thousand of you. They're they're going full speed ahead the whole time. That's so cool. And do you think it's a matter of like I've always been interested in this and how kind of uh, different artistic disciplines inspire other artistic disciplines? And do you think it's even more prevalent down there that you have like you know musicians inspiring writers and you know painters inspiring musicians you know to, to stick to it and you know and 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 inspire the art that way? Do you think there's a lot of that there? Because I was only down there myself. I think we were there for a day. Uh, my daughter's been there twice and my wife's been there twice, so they have slightly more insight than me. But um, would that be your impression? Yeah, you know. There's definitely a, a culture of collaboration and, and and encouragement going on, but I, I think that the job one, even before that, as a as a get ready to do something, there's there's not a culture of like, hey, what makes you think that you could be a musician, or, or how how do you why why do you get to be an artist? You know, there's not that, which is. You know, one of the common questions that you get yeah. as, a, as a comedian is, you know, hey, how did you know that you were funny? Or how did you know you could do this? It's like, that's not the right question. Yeah. The right question is, when when did you know you wanted to do it? And how did you get out of your own way to try? And the problem is, is most parts of the world, people, people want to say, like, you're not good enough, or you don't have a right to do that. Who do you think you are? And in New Orleans, it's just like, yeah, man, if you're going to do that, this is what I'm going to do. Let's both do it together, and we'll get, we'll make some, cook some sausages and have some barbecue. It'll be a party, you know. Yeah. They're just ready for it. So, uh, in terms of uh, comedy and and things and things influencing that, how would you're out on the road a lot, like you said? Uh, how would you assess the state of comedies these days from the front lines? Uh, well. I'm. I'm <laughs> are you talking about the thing? What thing? Oh, the the. Uh, you know what I'm. You know what I mean. The elef- You're talking the, about the thing. The elephant in the White House. It, well, not so much with that, but just in in general, because, um, I, I guess with that too, but also just uh, we we went and saw Josh Sneed, a friend of ours, uh, and you know, and uh, we invited some friends out with us, and we said, oh, "You'll love," because uh, you you've done Go Bananas in Cincinnati before, right? No, I haven't. I, well, I, I hear you it's had. the greatest place. Well, I want to get down there. We have, um, we, uh, I'll, I'll put the, the word in the booker's ear. Um, but uh, we have another club in town, and it's a chain. And it's fine. I don't need to denigrate it. But it's the chain is where people go that let's go see a comedy show, and Go Bananas is more a club where 
I think you get more comedy aficionados, and the and the the people know the comedians probably more so than they might if they go to the chain club, and um, and I was just explaining that difference to them that there are still people that are really fans of comedy, and there are people that kind of uh, take it, you know, kind of just it's just another just another form of entertainment, I guess. And I guess over the years that's kind of gauged the health of the industry, where you've had more casual people in, of course you make more money because more people are coming through the gates, but then, you know, are, is the quality of the product good? Because then maybe, you know, it's not people that are being as, I guess, um, what's not judgmental, but uh, more uh, demanding in their comedy intake. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know in that uh, talk you just did, what, which, <laughs> which one is the more demanding one. But, uh, you know, there's there's always been free tickets and paid tickets to see comedy shows and a lot of times uh, the people who are paying for a ticket are people who really want to see a comedy show and are predisposed to pay attention and watch. Nowadays though there's plenty of shows, I'm going to do a show on Monday night here in LA that a friend organizes that uh, that they just run off a mailing list and it, people don't pay to get in but it's just a really great crowd of people who are into seeing what you as the comedian artist whatever word you want to describe have to offer and so i'm i'm i feel like there's more good comedians now than ever there's just really solid creative um great acts out there now more than ever and we're kind of moving away from the idea that a comedy show is something that you'd give away free tickets to in order to get people to come in and pay for your pay pay money for booze or food and we're getting more towards I think a world where hopefully people are co- going to buy a ticket to go see a comedy show and then that's what and they want to see what you you have to offer. I mean, I want to do shows for people who want to see my show uh, and I want to and I'm and I'm less interested in performing for people who got a free ticket uh, <laughs> to a bar. And then, of course, the, the other thing that you thought I was talking about, the, the elephant in the White House, uh, how is that working out? I imagine for you it, it, it doesn't have as great an impact because you're, you're telling personal stories from your life usually. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Well, look, I, I feel like the, the thing, I, call it, I just call it the thing, is, is affecting us all. In, in, on a personal level, and so I talk a little bit about it from that, but I'm not interested in getting in an argument about politics with somebody who disagrees with me about that. I, I, I'm interested in doing a fun show where we can just forget about that right. and all enjoy each other's company and have a laugh. You know, my my, my I, not to take anything away from anybody who's doing a political show, but that's that's not that's not what I'm doing. So I would say I probably have a couple jokes in my act that are about. Um, about Donald Trump and some of the ways that he's uh, doing his thing, but but I, I feel like even if you're one of his supporters, you're gonna laugh because it's, yeah. it's not it's not mean spirited or pointed or political or. You know. Well, and I also think kind of with your delivery, you're one of those guys that can kind of get away with it, you know, kind of that with your stage persona, you know, the uh, be, the bewildered everyman. You know, it kind of falls like that. You're just a regular guy observing this, not like some partisan guy. Uh, you know, perhaps like my friend Jimmy Dore, who you know, who we know has kind of an axe to grind. Oh, that's really not fair because Jimmy Dore is as harsh on Hillary Clinton as he was on Donald Trump. But still, you, you understand what I'm saying? 
Yeah, well, not to not to get started on Jimmy Dore, but yeah, I've been watching his Twitter, and I can't. Sometimes I can't tell who he's mad at, you know, but I can tell he's, he's mad. He's mad at everybody. Um, yeah. So yeah, my my thing is like, look, I'm I'm not a politician. I'm not a political pundit. I'm just a person. Yeah. Who's who's trying to explain my perception of the world? And so if if you're sitting in the audience of my comedy show and I say something politically that you disagree with, just please keep in mind, I am as big a dummy as whoever you're sitting next to. <laughs> um, so what other things are you talking about in your act? Is it uh, family stuff? Is it uh, general observations of the world these days? Um, what's what's kind of the makeup of it now? Uh, hmm. Well, I guess... I, I guess I got a, I guess I got a little bit of a family stuff. I, I'm trying to think if I had to describe it thematically, what it would be about. I, I was trying. I'm, I'm I'm really uh, a little sad that I'm not getting to go back to Melbourne this year to the comedy festival in Australia uh, that I did last year because uh, I was I've been writing a new act to, to have all new material to go down there. It just didn't work out to get away from my family for that period of time this time. But the show. The, the comics down there all do a lot of them do shows with themes to them, and so yeah. I've really been trying to think in terms of what's what's the what's the theme of my show, and I guess uh, a thing that I'm talking about a lot right now is uh, it's hard to be a person, you know. It's, it's I feel like we're all just we're all just waking up every day and struggling to get our shit done, to do our to do list, to make it through all the things we have to do to just to get to that little dessert of what we want to do every day yeah and so so i guess that's a little bit of a that's a little bit of a theme of what i'm talking about now yeah i've heard some other guys uh talking about that as well uh stuart huffman uh his act lately has been about um you know the way new ideas historically have never been perceived very well at first sometimes violently uh bent washburn is is on about um, how people will the way people believe things nowadays and how they'll believe anything <laughs> just about so yeah it's interesting that people are you know and you guys are all I would say uh, more of of the storytelling variety of comedians but it's interesting that you know kind of in, in, encasing it in a theme is is really interesting and it also shows I guess the uh, as you said the state of comedy being better we have better comedians I think we have better audiences then because audiences, you know, can wrap their heads around that now and are and we're sophisticated enough to say, Oh yeah, okay, I I know where this is going. So I guess there's there's hope yet for, for humanity in America and comedy audiences. Yeah, well I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I th- I think now audiences are coming to comedy shows wanting to see they're they're open to something that's a little more creative. I mean look, I'm not I'm not going up and doing some experimental thing that you're going to watch and then say, gee, is that comedy? I mean, I'm doing a show where you laugh. <laughs> it's it's not complicated. Yeah. You're not going to have to figure it out. You're not going to have to identify a theme. You're not going to have to answer any questions at the end of it. Um, <laughs> drunk, stupid people enjoy my show all the time. So please do not feel intimidated. <laughs> well, terrific, man. Oh, sounds like things are going well. And uh, I was just thinking, we have a... The big comedy festival here in August, and uh, the guy that books Go Bananas also puts that together. So um, I will uh, make a recommendation because um, do you have you done a lot of festivals? Uh, well, you said you do Melbourne, obviously, but uh, have you done a lot um, in this country? Yeah, I've done a few of them. I mean, I mean, Melbourne is Melbourne is quite a different kind of comedy festival than the ones that 
that run here in the states because the ones that want to run here in the states are sort of a a lot of times they turn out to be a comedy sampler where you go see a show and you're going to watch an hour and a half show and see six different comedians in different combinations and the Melbourne Comedy Festival is they have 500 shows and everyone does their full show so I was down uh-huh. there and I had my own showroom and I was doing an hour long show and people and then they're all paid tickets and you come in and Every night I do my hour show and then I, it was, my spot was at 7.15 and then after me at 8.30 and then at 9.45 there were two other shows in the same room as me on that night. And then there's all kinds of venues all over town. So people are going from spot to spot, catching a couple shows in a night and it, and it goes on over the course of four weeks. So it's six nights a week for a month. And, uh, and so that was, that's quite different than the Montreal Comedy Fest. Uh, yeah. which, you know, is, is basically five, six nights or, um, or, or South by Southwest. And, you know, but yeah, I've done, a, I've done a few of them. They're always fun. I mean, one of the things that I enjoy as much as doing the shows is seeing what everybody else is doing. Right. And, you know, getting to hang out, having a little bit of a comedian convention you know, yeah, because that's kind of what it is. Party. Yeah, and then it's nice too because well, ours it's, it's called brouhaha, so it's it's beer and it's comedy. And there's one big main stage and a, a smaller stage and a bunch of tiny stages uh, around. So it's it's uh, top local talent, about uh, half a dozen guys and gals, and then a lot of the, our regional friends that come to the club a lot. And then uh, we'll get three big national headliners uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it's, it is a nice mix, and you know. You get to see some people you haven't seen in a while, and uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Well, yeah, I well, I was just talking yesterday with uh, I don't know if you know Jeff Tate. You know yes, Jeff? oh yeah, there we go from uh, extremely hilarious Jeff Tate from Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. So he and I are going to do a little run of gigs right after Acme. I'm going to fly down to Charlotte and meet him, and we're going to do Charlotte, Atlanta, Birmingham, Huntsville, and Nashville. Um, did, you know, did, we're, just, did, we're doing a little mini tour together, so I was talking so to him yesterday. What's that? Those cities are so lucky. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll see how it goes. I think it's really going to be fun, and it's a new way of, of touring a little bit with me, and he was nice. It's a great show, because I, I really think Jeff was super funny and oh, I'm so yeah. glad that he wanted to do it with me but uh, I was talking to he just came over for lunch yesterday because he's in town here and we were talking about the logistics of how we're going to travel and rent the car and everything and, and I was telling him how much I wanted to come to Cincinnati so it's it's interesting to now talk to you the next day oh yeah so this, huh. it's going to happen cool awesome it's going to happen alright man well great well then we can uh, get you some ink in the Cincinnati paper as well and uh, good luck up there at Acme and then uh, on your southern swing there with uh, with friend of the show, Jeff Tate. Yeah, well, thank you very much. All right, all right, Jake, good talking to you. Okay, right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Jake Johansson for being on the show. You can catch Jake in Minneapolis, Minnesota, March 8th through the 11th at the famous Acme Comedy Company there on North 1st Street. And then March 12th through March 16th, he's going to be uh, doing a bunch of one-off shows uh, each night in, in several different cities, they being in order Charlotte, Atlanta, Birmingham, Huntsville, and Nashville. 
and then uh, he's going to be with the very hilarious Jeff Tate. And I want you to get if you're in uh, one of those cities. I want you to uh, go to your uh, internet machine, as Emo Phillips calls it, and uh, go to your comedy club's website and get tickets for those shows. Two very hilarious guys. I can't believe how lucky you guys are. Going to see Jake Johansson and Jeff Tate in the same comedy club on the same night. Uh, if you're if you're a comedy fan. Uh, you will get tickets for that. Uh, if you are not, you cannot call yourself a comedy fan. All right, so we're going to get to the song of the week here. It's from Two Door Cinema Club. I've always liked Two Door Cinema Club uh, just fine. Uh, fangirl loves them. But um, I think it's uh, kind of hit or miss with me. But this is a hit. This is Bad Decisions. It came out in the fall uh, from uh, their brand new album. But uh, it is actually uh, currently the single now out in Britain that just released as a single, I think, a couple of weeks ago. So uh, it's Bad Decisions. It's our song of the week on PFT Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. <laughs> 